white lace A plastic face A tinfoil place An empty space You were so hung up on This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro If you love underground music and movies Go to PortlandDistro.com For licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs and more Go to PortlandDistro.com Plug in the discount code Mike Hill 666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. All right, Dre. So you and I met way back in 2006. You think you believe it's been that long? I'm trying to think of what year it is right now. It's uh, 2021. Yeah, right now. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's some, that's some time. Yeah. That's some time on us. Yeah. It was, uh, you, you're out on tour with daughters and one of my old bands was on that same run and uh red sparrows were part of that and uh yes and that was my first introduction oh sorry for that i was a frazzled i mean daughters great great band great dudes but they were highly dysfunctional and (laughs) keeping that band together and going anywhere at the same time was uh extremely stressful So you you were doing like uh, tour managing, driving, kind of like uh, doing everything basically on that. Yeah, tour. yeah. I, that, maybe that's why I was not sleeping and I was doing like three jobs. Um, but that was damn. That's such a long time ago. Yeah, that, I think that was actually probably the first um, time I had tour managed like with the title. Uh, was that tour? So. Yeah, that's a long time ago. <laughs> but on that same uh, run, I'd also learned that you played guitar in a band, and I think it was Howl was the band that was happening at that time, right? Yep. yep. Step step behind the shred stick there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then you ended up playing in uh, Storm of Light for a while. Yep. Actually, okay. I think that um, I'm meeting Josh on that that same tour, that Red Sparrows tour kind of like planted a seed. And actually, you know what? Tombs played with my old band in Providence. Um, did we play that? I think we played that show. Maybe um, timeline's hazy. Um, it was at some really, really horrid uh, DIY spot called the grow room. Um, Dominic was in tombs at that time. Uh, that's when I first met Dominic, I think. Um, and through that, those two connections, when I stopped playing in Howl and, uh, that like came to light, they were like, yo, you want to play guitar and go to Europe? I was like, well, yes, please. <laughs> so no, it's that, crazy that show, how like that show that you're referring to, that show, the one at the grow room. Yeah. Do you remember that show? Yeah. Cause that was our, literally our second show. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think Coliseum was uh, was the you know that that was it was their tour. So, man, your memory is like I thought I had a good memory. Your your catalog is tight. Well, I looked all the stuff up before, <laughs> so I, my memory is not right. that good. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, I try to do a little preparation for these things. You know, and um, <laughs> good on you, man. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. But yeah, that was uh, our first show ever was in Boston the night before. The second show was uh, that Providence show, and then we played ABC No Rio the next day. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a good, I mean, that was a good show because it was kind of like, 
small space felt really, really jam-packed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the Providence way. It was a super late show. I think that that was me meeting Dominic was him being like, trying to get out of there. He was like, he's like, fucking feel like I've been here forever. I'm like, well, you probably have. That's that's something I kind of miss sometimes. Like I remember back when I was way, obviously way younger, New York city, like shows like bands going on stage at like three in the morning, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was insane. Like, I'm so glad now because I'm old (laughs) and have like some weird sleep schedule that I have no control over. Um, that shows happen early and on schedule. There would used to not be any kind of like schedule. A band member would be like working late and then all of a sudden they'd be pushed to the end of the line. It was just like mayhem, but um, which at the time didn't feel like mayhem. But when you look back on it now, compared to what what we're living in, it's kind of like, how did anything get done? <laughs> oh, I totally, man. One of my one of my favorite stories about uh, flexibility of schedule is when uh, another this other band I played in Boston. This is more like a hardcore style band that I was uh, filling in with because I was technically not really a member of the band, but we were playing with Agnostic Front, and Twenty Five to Life was on the bill. And, that sounds uh, violent. <laughs> <laughs> we were, you know, being the the local band, the you know the more prominent kind of local band. We were supposed to go on right underneath AF, but like, so twenty five to life traveled in two vans. There was like the the the, the merch van with oh like God. all the bootleg you know sh- shirts and bootleg right. cassettes and everything. Yeah. And then the band would show up, and they're like, "Oh, you know, Rick's not here yet, so you guys got to go on, you know, now." <laughs> and it's like, like I'm a, I, I, for me it wasn't my band so i'm like whatever man like you guys want to do that that's cool like because there was like you know like like 15 bands on the bill anyway and it right was like right like someone's got to play not not yeah. everyone can pretend like a member is still working like someone's got to play yeah so you know of course like as soon as we started playing the, this dude rolls up in his van and everything <laughs> it's like yeah. i don't know it's just funny but so anyway so now you're um guitarist musician road ma- road dog road I, warrior yeah. road warrior Career road warrior okay so what came first Did, were you playing in bands or were you like just going out on the road with people like how does what's the, so, uh, the story with okay this? to broad stroke it um i am was extremely shy uh so i actually have been playing guitar since i was in the 10th grade no one knew that um and so I was living in Florida and I was trying to get on tour just because I wanted to see things. Um, and it seemed like a very uh, feasible way to do that for free. Um, sure. And, uh, and so I, but that was like the era of no girls allowed on tour. <laughs> if you remember that era or if you were ever in a band that, that held that rule high, but um, that was a thing. So it was really, really challenging to even like get, someone to take you even on a weekend but i managed to um get on tour with this band that was they're actually from pennsylvania but they had all moved to florida and um they were like yeah come on the road yeah and i was like cool and (laughs) we mm, broke down in needles california before making it to even a first show and it was just you know mayhem ensued and then i was like oh i can't wait to do it again i mean i'm talking like we we got the thing of the van back on a like on a trailer in u-haul drove to pennsylvania painted a house 
to get enough money to get Van back on the road and then jump directly to uh, they had a show at Hellfest. I think it was like 98 or something. Um, and I was like, I, I can't get enough. It went, <laughs> and I, was, I can't wait to do it again for free. Um, and that kind of like started it. And uh, and through them, you know, like you meet a handful of people while you're on tour with that band. And then you kind of like, you know, oh, she's not a moron and she's not dramatic. So, you know take her on this tour and I did that for a while and then eventually I did this one tour where I was going to be getting paid and uh and I the band was from Southern California and um so I toured with, with every time I die for a handful of years or tours at this point I don't really know and they kind of like at that time were like you know like they were like a hardcore band um I mean I guess technically they're still a hardcore band I don't know how people break this down anymore yeah. but um but uh, they used to kind of tour with a lot of bands from Orange County. Now, Orange County hardcore and Buffalo hardcore are very different as far as, like, um, mentality and, like, ethics, I suppose. Um, but I somehow ended up in this weird, like, sect of Orange County bands where I was, like, the person that was touring with them <laughs> when, when, I, when I, like show up in orange county and all their friends come to the shows and they're like beautiful models and high heels and i'm this like grimy little slime suit wearing like i don't even know i just looked insane and i was like oh my god like these are beautiful people like what am i doing here but um that was like those bands were kind of like the first bands that paid me and then eventually um i moved to when i was living in providence i had a handful of friends and they were like we're gonna start a band uh you should be in it and they didn't really even know that i played an instrument i was like oh i actually play guitar <laughs> they're like oh <laughs> you know it was kind of like just friends wanting to play music and providence being a very supportive scene like everyone is like anything goes and everyone's into everything um i was like you know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it so that was kind of like that that's where that all came from and you know then i started touring with daughters and do playing in bands and touring and getting more tours and trying to play in bands and also having a full-time job. I was a floral designer. Um, and so I don't, I didn't even know when I slept or like how I kept a schedule, but I did. Um, and that's, that was a very, very detailed broad stroke. No, that's, that's <laughs> great because I, I oftentimes wondered like what came first with you. Cause I know that, you know, you, you've done a bunch of musical stuff and, but, but I also see you out on the road all the time. You know, yeah, yeah. We've well, crossed paths many times over the years. So too. many times, and every time I see you, I'm like, oh shit, hey man. <laughs> every single time, I'm like, oh, you're in this band. Cool. I didn't even know. Cool. Providence, though, I you know the years I lived in Boston, I I actually really enjoyed going to Providence because of uh, very different. They're only the two cities are only like you know maybe an hour and a half, or maybe not even maybe an not hour. Not even. Yeah, like, it's like an hour. Forty-five minutes. Forty-five minutes. Where you're going. Yeah. yeah. And but they're two completely different vibes, you know. Like Boston, at times, can be very violent, and you know, especially in the <laughs> '90s, there was a lot of like violence at shows, and you know, kind of like this uh, bro broish kind of mentality there. And uh, yeah, yeah, and and Providence is like way more maybe because RISD's there, but like way more like um, you know, kind of like a artsier, I guess. And a little bit more free form, like what you were talking about when the band you you were playing in, we're like, okay, let's do a band. 
And yeah. It's like no you have a name. Do and it, a, and anyone a, can play. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like the idea comes before the actual execution. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that was the first time I really in a city that I really felt like, oh, you know, like I can actually just do whatever I want. And there's I mean, it's a small town. So with small town, I'm sure that there were, I didn't experience it, but I'm sure that there was drama in within the scene. But I, I, I stay I was so in and out that it was like the it was perfect for me I, I love living in that city i lived there for like 12 years it was such like a a very supportive of all things place to be you know that, yeah. i hope that that exists in towns somewhere you know for like young people i hope because it's it, it in boss is so funny that you say how different they were because i used to go to shows in boston when i was living in providence you right. know i because I was used to traveling to shows when I lived in Florida, I would drive like two hours to go to a show and that was not a big deal. And so, but new England and I'm from new England originally, but new England people are like, Oh, it's, 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 it's an hour. I'm not driving an hour not for nothing. You know, it's like it's literally an hour. Um, but I would leave Providence and I would go in my little Volkswagen rabbit convertible um, up to Boston and out these shows, man, like, no one would no, no one would talk to me. They would come to shows in Providence too. No one would talk to me. They would pretend like I didn't wasn't there every weekend. Um, you know, and and now that I'm I actually lived in Boston too. Now that I am friends with a lot of those people, it's clear to me that it's just like social awkwardness. Um, and they all grew up together. So it's like that it's easy for them to I, I wouldn't say vibe someone out but it's it's easy to ignore someone that isn't like in their circle yeah that's definitely a boston thing i noticed because uh, you know i i i grew up you know in the suburbs around new york city and i've lived most of my adult life in new york and now new jersey and um but when at the years that i lived in boston i know that You'd meet people like five or six times before, like they would know, who, you yeah. know, remember, say, you know, recognize you, I guess, or whatever. And I was just, like, yeah, like, why is it so hard? I got, I got like really, 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 really frustrated with that, and then I just stopped talking to people. I'm like, you know what? You oh, so that's where me? your whole vibe came from. Oh, <laughs> my vibe. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, you know, I just was like, I'd, I'd meet people time and time again, and then I'd see him, and I'm like, oh, that's that guy, and then he'd like look right at me and not say a word. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, it was, it's a weird. I mean, they used to do. I don't know if you were around when they did shows at. Um, I think it was called the Berwick. It was like kind of like a, a, a. It was a DIY space, but it was like also a hair gel facility. So it was like, hair gel. Was like weird piles and vats of hair gel, like in another room, and then the show would be in this like weird basement tea zone. But um, it was like a small. DIY space and the same people would work the door the same people would hang out and I would go like time and time again and like just you know pay at the door try to like make eye contact and be like hey hey and they don't care they're like laughing with their buds and I'm like cool all right um but I never let it deter me which back to me being extremely shy uh really impresses my own self that I like kept going I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to keep going. And then when I moved to Boston, that's actually when I gave up. I was like, you know what? I can't. <laughs> like, 
I, uh, I just like, I checked out. I was like, whatever, you know, you guys have your thing. I got my thing. We see each other. We say hi. And that's it. You don't need to call me for coffee. That's fine. We're not, I don't have any lunch buddies. Like dude, living in Providence, everyone's like, who wants to get brunch? Who wants to go to the lake? Everyone's doing everything all the time. In Boston, it's like not that way. I just want to let you know that it's not because you were a woman that they were a standoffish. You know what I mean? It, I, I experienced the same thing too. That you know. you know what? I honestly didn't. That that thought didn't even like cross my mind at the time, especially like at all. You know. And now, but then, uh, what? Oh, this is like a weird thing to even get into. Um, when I started trying to like reinsert myself into going to like DIY shows in Boston, um, there was a lot of women, which I was like, holy shit. I was like all stoked, you know, like girls in bands, girls running the door, girls putting on the shows. And I was like, oh my God, it's a freaking revolution. You know, I was like, it's so cool. And they were so cold to me. I was like, wow, like, what? Like, again, I know I'm old, but come on, you know? Give me a little something. Give me a little something, something. Um, and that is actually what, like, eventually was my life. I was like, I, I uh, can't, like, I can't put myself in the position of feeling like a fucking loser anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a small enclave of really, really close friends that I met in my time living up there. And then, like, another group of enemies that I made while I lived up there. <laughs> And then, but I, I look back on my years in Boston and I get like a chill of like, just like puritanical, like weird place. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I think that everyone that's moved around has that town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, my, my town that gives me that like very weird feeling like of almost like anxiety is Gainesville, Florida. Like my time there was short, but was impactful enough that it just like, oh. Every time I think about it, I'm like, mm. <laughs> a lot of good, but also yeah. like an undeniable feeling that I can't even put into words. So let's talk about viruses now, <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, I saw actually I reached I reached out to you to see if you're OK, because someone I heard on the grapevine that you'd actually gotten coronavirus. Yeah, I got I, I got it, dude. And it's crazy. So I had been living in my truck for four months um basically when when the pandemic happened i had a bunch of tours on the books that obviously one by one got canceled and i didn't have anywhere to live um which had been fine because i'd been on the road so much but um I, I i have this truck and i was like all right i guess i'm just gonna live out of my truck in and like you know winter time rolls around i'll get a winter rental fine you know like <laughs> figured it out so about um, mid-October, um, I had been living this, like, not seeing anyone, camping, very, like, solo life. life. I mean, my life is kind of solo in general, but I, it was extreme solitude, and, uh, and I was fine with it. It was, it was um, I, I saw some cool shit, I did some cool shit. Anyways, I get into my winter rental, and um, I'm like, man, I feel, like, weird <laughs> okay i was like maybe this is my theory maybe it's because i'm inside and i have walls and a roof like maybe that's what's going on maybe it's like the heating system that's making me feel this way i was like finding all these things that like variables you know i was like oh maybe that's it maybe this is it and then like one morning i uh, uh was in the shower 
and I had like had to like sit down in the shower and literally crawl out and just lay on the cold floor. I was like, "What is happening? What is happening?" So, um, so you started at that feeling point, feverish. Is that is that what it was? Yeah, like dizzy and like zero energy. I was like, "Oh my god!" And so I was like, "Well, I guess I'm gonna go get tested." And uh, so I went and got tested. I kind of like didn't think that I had it because I couldn't think of anywhere that I would have made contact or been around people. Um, and it, when it came back positive, I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, all right. And, um, and then I just like hold up for two full weeks, maybe a little over two weeks. It was not ideal. Um, but I made it and, uh, and yeah, it's just a thing that happened. I don't know. Did don't you, know where I got it. So you didn't have anyone to help you out, like while you were like uh, recovering. No, you're just by yourself. No, oh, man. very weird. My my caseworker actually was like, um, she she called me and she's like, okay, well, you know, we want to make sure that you're not leaving the house and you're not going anywhere. And uh, she's like, do you have someone that can bring you groceries? And I was like, the internet. <laughs> so um, the internet was like my company. I watched a lot of. Netflix and Hulu and used a lot of delivery services. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, do, do you have that. any, any like lasting effects or anything like that? Like, you know? um, I feel like I did for a long time and, uh, just like a, a, an overall fatigue, but I'm vaccinated and I got, you know, like fully vaxxed. And I had a couple of people tell me that, that it had it, that when you get the second shot that you, like all of your long haul symptoms kind of like dissipate. Um, mine didn't. And then I'm thinking like, maybe I'm just tired. <laughs> that could be it. You know, like maybe just like the whole thing is emotionally exhausting enough. that has taken that toll where I'm like, Oof, I'm tired. All right. Well, so we've established the fact that you're a road warrior and, uh, and that you earn your living out on the road. So for the past 15 months, like what have you been doing? Oh, my friend. So I got a job as a drawbridge operator. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I work the overnight at Casco Bay Bridge, uh, connects Portland and South Portland. Um, it's like a four panel giant feat of engineering majesty. Um, so that. Uh, and my supervisor actually fell out of a tree blind during, it's like the most main thing ever. Uh, he had a, a hunting accident and he fell out of a tree blind. And so then I started taking over the maintenance for, uh, temporarily. Um, so I learned all about the gears and the, uh, it's insane. Anyway, so that's, that, a, that's, that's real interesting actually. That's it, pretty cool. It is. So I went from like be, I guess it still falls under the road warrior category, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dealing with the road. Um, and then I also started um, flight training. So I'm training to, for my private pilot's license. Um, and uh, I've been doing a lot of, I feel like I could break this up into like four different sects. Like I've been doing a lot of um, just hanging out by the ocean. Um, I live very close to the ocean, so that's been nice. Um, a lot of winter exploration, just like hiking and, uh, uh, which is not totally outside of the norm of what I was doing in between tours, but, um, a little bit more intensely kind of exploring where I live, um, because I've never really been anywhere for this long. So it's been, it's been cool. It's been nice. 
Yeah, because I follow you on Instagram and I see you like, you know, flying planes, riding motorcycles. Like, <laughs> I, I rode my motorcycle to the beach right now that I'm at. Yeah. Right on. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it actually, my motorcycle, uh, I rode it in like late into the season into like November, um, did some motorcycle camping trips with a, um, with a buddy of mine from New Hampshire, um, got some more planned, uh, yeah, just, just like, I'm trying to live this weird endless summer thing, <laughs> even, even through the winter, got a little harder in the winter, but I, every morning I'd wake up for sunrise and I'd go to, I'd go to the water I'd make sure to like capitalize on those, those, I mean, dude, it's only light, like five hours up here. And so, you know, in the winter, you gotta, gotta make it count. Now that things are opening up, um, you know, people that listen to this will know this actually, that I went to a, a show, uh, this past week and, uh, have you, have you gone out yet to see any, anything at all? Like, you know, no, no, I have not. Any, any I mean, thoughts I, on that? Like, you're, are you looking forward to it or? Well, yes. I, I feel like Boston maybe has started having some shows. Um, but Maine, as far as the music that I would like actually go see, Maine has not really um, started doing any kind of, I'm, well, tours don't really come to Maine. Um, they do and they don't. So at this point, they're definitely not. Uh, right. So I haven't really had the opportunity, but I, honestly... I w- if there was a band coming to town that I was like excited to see in in pre COVID times, I would I would one hundred percent go. You know, I feel I feel like um, I'm ready for for flexing that social muscle. And well, I say I'm ready, but um, see when it comes to the point when I like literally drive by and go, no, nope, not not tonight, <laughs> which I've I've done before COVID. So who knows. Um, but no, I'm ready. And I'm also like really excited at the idea of kind of getting back on tour, man, you know, like that was, that's a very, I mean, I've been touring since 1998, so feels, feel, I have traveled, you know, um, but not in the same right as like different day, different place, you know, I haven't done that in over a year. So I'm, I'm ready, ready to see what how excited people are you know what i mean so since you brought it up what jobs do you do on the road you know i know i know you do a bunch of stuff so just well not anymore well not anymore okay i have relegated myself to overnight drive driver um i guess driver because anyone that drives a bus or a sleeper vehicle drives overnight um and i've been doing that for like six years seven six or seven years i think at this point um i still get people asking me if i'll do other crew gigs but um driving is really my i love it i love driving and i love driving overnight so uh that is something i'm very much looking forward to getting it's so quiet you know like i don't listen to anything just like quiet the sun comes up i'm like that's nice (laughs) you know and i just am quiet you know i feel like a lot of people don't get to be quiet so being able to have that on tour and being able to see so much and uh in such a short amount of time man i miss it i really do i know this is a stupid question but do you so you have your cdl license and all that kind of stuff um no which would have been a really great use of 
time and money during this pandemic, but I decided to go for my pilot's license instead. Um, <laughs> well, you can work for Iron Maiden now after that. You know, I mean, you fly well, the jet around. Yeah, I can. Well, the, so so um, I drive the those bandwagons, mm. which have like a very clever. I don't want to call it like a loophole. It's more like a workaround. Um, the way that they they provide the service is like they rent it to an individual, and the actual weight. Uh, gross weight is less than what you would need for a CDL, like has one less axle than you would need for a CDL. Like there's all these things um, that they, because the guy that started it was a bus driver. So he knows all the DOT laws and all that stuff. But um, I, (laughs) with that, there's definitely a bunch of people that should not be driving those things that get jobs. Um, so I, I, w- I wish I could like put on my resume some sort of like gold star. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will not throw you out of your bunk um, because it's a giant freaking vehicle, man. They're, they're big. I, so. I never, I never toured in one of those. I've only, I've toured in a nightliner and I've toured in a van. That's it. I haven't done anything with a bandwagon yet. And um, that's why I thought I wasn't sure if you needed a CDL license to, to drive those. Yeah. So the idea is that they could the, the idea is to like bridge the gap between the cost of having a bus versus being too big to be in a van. Um, you know, because like, a lot of people are doing the thing where they get they rent a sprinter van and, and then they have a box truck follow them, which I've also done box truck driving following buses, like being a production truck. Right. Um, and that also you don't need a CDL for. I have a DOT number. But um, which I guess is like is a lot of gray area there. But um, but yeah, you don't need to CDL. The idea is that you you can drive it yourself. You know. So actually, when I first started touring um, with Every Time I Die, we were in a van always, always in a van. Um, they would do these things called no tell tours where <laughs> no hotels. Um, so it got like pretty gross in there. Um, and then I remember the first time I saw a bandwagon, my band Howl was actually opening for every time I die. And they had this bandwagon. I was like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> and they were like, Oh, it's awesome. We drive it ourselves. And, but turns out that like, you know, a couple members just weren't sleeping ever. I was like, this doesn't seem like but then I, it brings me back to the whole like no tell tour and I'm like oh it's something that they would do and I'm sure other bands have done it but um, the general sense is like you hire a driver but you hire the driver as a band yourself like the company does not hire out a driver right so that, that's kind of how they get around the CDL thing yeah because the Nightliner the company provides the driver and exactly he's, and he's like a teamster and he has like certain yeah. hours that he can drive and that's that and he might be racist well, um, yeah I mean yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as the bandwagon thing is like, you're in charge of hiring your driver. They have a list of people that have driven bandwagons, but um, but the idea is like you get you have more control over like your crew in that in that respect. Now, do you have? Because I'm assuming. Well, I know for a fact that people some some of the listeners here playing bands and uh, are, do you? How do they get in touch with you? Is there like a website or some sort of, uh, you know, what's the central way of contacting you if anyone needs to hire a driver? Well, I definitely am like pretty poor at self promotion. So thanks for thanks for the the little platform here. Yeah. Um, basically, you just shoot shoot me an email um, or contact me on on Instagram. You know, it's like 
I like to work with bands that I have some sort of uh, common thread with. That always is my my general, like I'll pick that band over another band. Um, I've definitely been offered tours where I'm like, what is this band? And then someone else that like knows someone that I know will hit me up and I'm like, oh, I'll do that, you know? Um, so I, I definitely uh, would pick uh, someone with a common thread over just like a random manager reaching out to me. Um, so should I, should I shout out my email address? Is am I going to get blown up? I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it depends. I, I mean, <laughs> do you, is this a separate email from your personal one? Is it like, it's a work not, it's, I don't have, like I said, I'm like so horrible at being a self-employed person. Um, I don't know if Instagram feels like a safer, a safer, uh, well, all right. Uh, through this platform, we're going to probably filter out a bunch of creeps. So there's, I mean, most, most people are listening to this are cool. You know, they're like, you know, good people or whatever. And so I feel safe that I feel safe that no one's going to like bombard you with just like spam or, you know, whatever. So yeah, go okay. for it. Do it. Okay. All right. So the email address is Dre black six, nine, seven, nine at gmail.com. Six nine is not a sexual reference. It is my freaking birthday. Okay, so relax. Um, and my Instagram is Dre Black X. And uh, yeah, right on. Uh, hey, do you so, know? Do you know our manager, Mark Vieira, by any chance? Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Because I, I was going to say yeah. that you, he, I, I would, you know, now that I know that, you know, I, 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 I assume that you had some like, you know, Dre Black, like facebook business page or something that people you know what i mean but like did you did you assume that so you i don't did know assume that well. you know, oh, you know I, I don't know but but i was like you know mark you know he's got a bunch of other bands you know that he works with and you know they probably are always looking for drive europeans, he, like europeans he's hit bands. me up he has hit me up in the past um my schedule well uh, i can't speak for my current schedule because i have none but um it it has been jammed packed for like you know especially driving for a while so um this is kind of like a this is a rare opportunity to get me behind the wheel of your tour um and i will i will take you to all the cool places um i should charge extra for tour guide services because i definitely go above and beyond because that's the whole reason i started touring is to like see shit and i feel like a lot of bands don't understand it's easier than they think like it seems like such a daunting task to like go to the Snake River Gorge, but it turns out it's like less than ten minutes off the highway. You know, like things like that. Where I'm like, let's go, let's like see some some of the good stuff. Um, I I brought Suffocation. Speaking of New York dudes, um, I toured Suffocation. Uh, I don't know, maybe like 2017 or something like that. Got in a brutal motorcycle accident on that tour. But anyways, um, I brought them to the Grand Canyon. And none of them have had seen the Grand Canyon. And I don't know if you know any of those guys, but they're like, some of them are older dudes. Um, they were like, I had to tell them not to like be drunk near the edge of the canyon <laughs> rim. I was like, no, this is like, seriously, like you will get dizzy if you like, you just, you know, like leave the beer, man. Um, and it was just really cool to like be able to do that for someone, you know, like their, their roadie was like over the moon. He like, couldn't believe it he was like this is so amazing i brought them there for like sunrise of course um and it, just things like that i just i, I love i love doing things like that because a lot of 
a lot of tours, you know, the schedule is uh, unrelenting. So um, it's cool to be able to have some time just to like sit and see something that uh, you've crossed by countless times and just never had the, you know, like time set aside to go to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially if we're talking about doing those overnights because I'm, my assumption would be that if you're if you're the overnight driver that it's one of those bigger tours where um the headliners driving around a nightliner right yeah you got these vast expanses of the country to cover that's why you got an eight hour shift overnight you know yeah yeah you got no time if you're like just in in a van like with your band you got no time to see it you got no time to see it yeah you're just driving the whole time literally yeah and you're like oh i'm living the life i'm like yeah you've seen a venue for the past like three weeks you've seen the green room of a venue you know what i mean like and that's actually like i kind of had a weird moment in my touring career where i was like super stressed out all the time and um i i was just like doing a lot of accounting i was like what the fuck am i doing i was like i didn't i don't want i this isn't what i signed up for like what am i doing like it just took on a totally different you know, because touring has changed so much. So like the jobs just take on a different set of skills that I just was like, I never wanted to have this skill. So, um, and I don't like it. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I mean, I've met people that like love spreadsheets oh, and that, God bless man. them because they've, they've helped me so much in my life. But for me, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like if I never have to open my computer, that's, that's what I'm looking for in a job. <laughs> like seriously. Like, I don't, I can't, I just, my brain, it just doesn't work that way. And so, um, I, when I decided that I was like going to, uh, shift into just driving, cause I drove anyways, you know what I mean? And I was like, it was part of what I did. Um, but when I decided I would shift into it, um, the first tour I did, uh, was with wolves in the throne room and they had this like really, I'm going to call it a hunk of shit RV. Um, and they did all these non-traditional venues so it was just like a very different kind of tour in it and i was driving overnight and it was just like this magical tour (laughs) i don't use the word magical in like any other way than like it actually was kind of magical and uh i was like oh my god like these people are crazy but like i like it and we're doing something cool and interesting and different it was different it was like I'd finally gotten out of a rut and I was just like, okay, I need to find out if I can like get more driving tours. And then the first driving bandwagon tour I did was with the first time Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats came over from Europe. They needed a driver and like, you know, Loopy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah totally. He was, yeah. he was doing front of house and uh, tour managing and he hit me up and he was like, Hey, do you want to drive one of these bandwagon things? I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, like, yes, 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 yes. So, um, and then that was, and they had never, they had never been to the States. So that was like, that was, I was like, okay, we're going to go here on our day off. We're going to do this. We're going to see this. I was just like all about it. So that for me, I was like, that's it. That's I'm done. I'm never going to do another crew gig that isn't driving. Like not, just not doing it. Yeah. I think I ran into you on that Wolves in the Throne Room tour was, uh, Diana was, uh, was with that on that, on that run too, I think. Right. Oh, that was, um, a different, a different, um, Wolves in the Throne Room tour. I've toured with them a bunch. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was like, I think that the first one I did with them was maybe in like 2013. Oh, wow. Okay. Some, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe even, it was kind of like piggybacked off of A Storm of Light, 
um, it was like a con- Randall. I don't know if you know Randall Dunn. It was like a contact yeah. through him. Well, I don't, um, I don't know him personally. I just, that guy's kind of like, you know, he's kind of famous. You know what I mean? Which is crazy because like, <laughs> I mean, not crazy. He's amazing. But uh, it's just so funny. And like, I lo- that's what I love about just being, not realizing I'm a part of a scene and then like realizing it. I'm like, oh my God, like. I've known Randall forever when we used to share hotel rooms when we toured with son, you know, and like now he's just like a, like a guy, he's the guy, yeah, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so it's just cool to see good people that have, you know, just that keep working and doing their thing, like actually get recognition, you know? Um, but yeah, so it was kind of like through him, he was, he was like, Hey, my, my, my buddies need someone to drive their RV. And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. You know, I can drive. And then I got in the RV and I was like, this thing is going to break down a lot. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> yeah, we, uh-huh. we, uh, we toured with Wolves in the Throne, like one of our early tours when we were on Relapse. And that, that was the tour where I realized I was the only guy who had a license in the band at the time. So <laughs> oh I was my like, God. I drove, I did every single drive. Oh. And it was uh, like, actually, I don't, do you know Laura Brennan who used to, tr- used to tour with them? No. She used to do merch for them. So there was one drive that we did. It was from San Francisco to Portland, you know, and that's like a 12-hour run. And, yeah. And, you know, we did it overnight. I'd, I'd done all the other drives, so I was, like, shot by the time that came up. And I was like, Laura's like, I'll drive. I'm like, okay, because I can't keep my eyes open anymore. So <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, not safe. Yeah, it's totally not safe. So I did drive partially. She rode shotgun for part of that run overnight, and then we're driving, and then, like, I just start, was starting to get mesmerized by, like, the traffic. Like, the one, the, the, the taillights <laughs> were, like, looking like devil faces and stuff. So I'm like... All the normal stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like I, I got to pull over. So I pull over, and she takes, takes over, and I sit in the back, and then I pass out just completely asleep and then we're in the mountains somewhere i notice my head is like smacking against the window in the back of the van and i wake up and laura's like doing like like 95 miles an hour down this like (laughs) down the mountains (laughs) cranking current 93 you know and you know david tibet's voice is something that'll wake you up out of like a sound sleep and i was like this might be this might be it for me man you know i'm like I'm like, I'm just too tired to care. Yeah, about whether you're just I accepting die. it. Yeah, yeah just ex- accept it. Accepting death, you know. <laughs> but uh, but that's when I'm like, man, you know, a driver is like one of the most crucial elements of this whole operation, man. You know, it is, and and it's surprising how managers really look at the the like bottom line a lot when I'm dealing with you know managers hitting me up and being like, oh, looking for this, and they give you like this laundry list of requirements. And then, uh, and then they ask, you know, like, what's your rate? And then you send them your rate and they're like, dead air. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay, man, like, good luck with that guy. You're going to hire for a hundred dollars a day who like just wants to hang out, you know, like yeah, totally. it's an issue when you know, you're driving an overnight and your and, and your driver is literally hanging out at the show. Like, no dude, you should be sleeping. You know what I mean? Like this isn't the, because I feel like a lot of, a lot of uh, people, when they're trying to get into touring, you know, driving is one of those things where uh, I'll say it, you know, it's like, you just need a license. That's what your requirement is, you know, like you need a license. Um, or they sell merch, which um, at this point is like even more advanced than driving because it's like with the spreadsheets and all, the counting in and counting out and all that. Totally. Um, so driving is like, 
what people view as the easy in, but um, it is quickly realized when you have a driver that you can't sleep through the night because of, and then you're basically just hemorrhaging money uh, to some kid who is driving like a freaking like there's no one in the back. That's the thing. It's like drive like there's you have humans that are trying to sleep, not just hanging out. Like they're actually trying to sleep. They're trying to get an overnight sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I I think to myself like that's not a, a I, I, I don't know. That seems like a natural thing to think about because that's literally what your job is. But it's uh, amazing how many times I'll jump on with a band that had a different driver or I'm taking over from a driver and they tell me about this, like these horror stories of the driver before. And I'm like, he did what? How, how, how did, why did he keep driving? Like, you know, ran into something and just like drove through it instead of trying to back up. Like they can't back up because there's a trailer. And I'm like, well, how would you take a job that you can't do? Yeah, I, I suck at that, actually. I'll be the first one to admit it. It's like, I don't, I don't drive around with a fucking trailer hooked to my car. You know, it's like, I, that's not, that's a skill, you know? And I, I got, I'll admit freely that I'm not, I'm not the guy to back up the van with a trailer, you know? I mean, I'm going to say this uh, for all of your listeners. I've never admitted anything that I'm actually good at because I feel like I'm just like, okay at a lot of things. I am really good at backing up a trailer. I can like actually say that about myself with true confidence. That is, that is a skill that I recognize in myself and that every other person I've ever toured with has recognized, you know? And I'm like, okay, I found, it's a very weird thing to be good at, but, um, but it is a necessary part of my job. So it's, I guess it's a good thing. So have you done any music or anything like that? Like, if, you know, this little downtime, you like, play around your guitar or write anything or you know um so i play in a band currently called race trader um not not the we, midwestern band race yeah Trader. oh they're yeah. back okay they're back we're back um we put out you didn't do enough research um, i missed that one man sorry we we put out a full length um two years ago at this point now um and we right before the pandemic we did a tour with refused um, yeah, we, we was refused in youth code. So I guess we went out with a bang. Um, it was great, but, um, we, we write in such like sporadic ways. Like I actually, um, be honest with you, I don't understand how things happen. Like I just get like sent some demos and then I hear that there's studio time being booked and no one lives in the same place. Like our drummer lives in, uh, the other Portland and our singer now lives in Texas. So it's like very disjointed. So I kind of um, took a giant, I haven't even looked at my electric guitar like since I put it in its case after the last refused show. Um, poor, poor little critter. But uh, I have this acoustic guitar that I brought with me in my truck when I was like, you know, been living in it. And I've been really enjoying just kind of fiddling around with that thing. But um, I've not, I've not done anything extremely musical with my time or creative at all. I don't know. I feel like I'm brain dead in that arena a bit. Yeah. Being around. Yeah. I can see that, man. Cause I know like, uh, you know, sometimes being inundated in, in music all the time, like kind of, you want to do something different, like, like fly a plane or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, precisely. I, it's interesting too. Cause like, 
I, I, um, I got like a interface for Christmas, you know, like to learn how to record into my computer. Like right. I got all of the tools and all the things and like all of the, 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 the mental, um, backing. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But when it really came down to like actually doing it, it, I was never inspired or motivated to. And I was like, well, I'm not going to force myself to sit here and do something. Um, when, when I want to be doing something else, like I'm just going to such a childish thing to say, I'm just going to do what I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just do what I want. Um, and I want to fly a plane, so I'm going to do that. Yeah. These days it's, that's how I feel like even, even though like we all live in Jersey, we still write a lot the same way where we do these demos and send them to each other and stuff like that and just go down to the space and work it out. Yeah. I mean that for with race trader it's been really interesting because um you know it's a it's a chicago based band but only two of the guys live there and uh and so whenever we would have weekends of shows it would be like find a practice space hash some stuff out like maybe write something because we have we're all in the same room you know right but um i've never really been in a band that has functioned like this so it's uh it's hard it's hard for me to find the motivation to do it because I am not super comfortable with the tools. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that makes sense, you know, but yeah, I mean, it took an adjustment for me cause I definitely was like uh, in the practice space kind of guy, like me and like the drummer or whatever, like working stuff out. But then like, yeah, yeah you yeah. like come to the, the space with like a couple of riffs or whatever. And then you kind of work it out. That's like, how it made sense to me in the past. Um, I like the idea and the, the flexibility of, of doing a band like this, but it, like I said, it's just really challenging to, to like get motivated to figure it all out. Yeah. I, I didn't, man, I, I don't, I didn't know that, that you were in race trailer. That's cool. Yeah, dude, we're, we're ripping it up. We did that tour with refused. And uh, I'll say this, you know, like when I was, so the band, as you know, is like from the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, and they were like, kind of uh, abrasive and annoying uh, politically. Um, and that's kind of like what their stamp was. And and honestly, when they asked me to play with them, that's what I remembered. I was like, wait a minute. I think I hate that band. You know, <laughs> I was like, like, but I don't know why. And I like tried to, you know, like refresh myself and I was like, uh, all right. And then, um, and then I, I kind of recalled one fest that they played and I was like, Oh, they were like the loudmouth kids that were just like um, really shoving some stuff down people's throats in, in a pretty, you know, like uh, non palatable way. Um, but I did some more kind of like digging. And the, the, the matter of the fact is that the singer money is he's a human human rights lawyer, you know, like yeah. he he did all, you know, like he was a kid angry in a band and then he actually like took that and tried to change things and is still trying to change things. You know what I mean? And so, um, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people that are in these like aggressively political bands kind of just like stay in this vein of like punk DIY and it doesn't like leave the, the punk DIY scene. And it's kind of like, isn't the whole point to like change the society? Like, isn't that what we're trying to do? So, um, so, so like learning about him and what he does for work, just kind of made me um, more uh, excited to be a part of something where people are actually doing the things that they're talking about. You know what I mean? Um, 
and the set is like when we write sets it is written you know written in the set like okay this is where money talks and this is where we play and this is where money talks again and like he'll think about what he's going to say and we have these conversations in the van about like oh this is going to be this kind of a show this is going to be the, the kind of kids that are here and like he really tries to connect with people as opposed to what he was doing in the 90s just being like combative he really tries to like have uh, a conversation or, or a conversation starter and then without fail you know i'm dragging him out of a venue because he's like talking to someone for too long i'm like dude we gotta go um and let me tell you the music is insane <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. I have I, I mean, never. I, I didn't. I didn't remember what their music sounded like when I'm thinking about the band. And then when I listened, I was like, "All right, look, send me the send me the set that I'm going to be playing." Because it was for a European tour. Like initially, it was just like, "Yo, we need a second guitar player for this European tour." And I was like, "Yeah, sign me up." Um, and I was like, "What is this? What? I don't know if I can play that. Like, it's like grindcore. It's grind. It is a grind band. Um, super fast." like super fast just ripping and so i was like all right i'm i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it and i, I like wrap my head around a couple of riffs and got into practice space after a motorcycle accident and they were like wow you can actually play it i'm like i know um i know kind of and so um do like being a part of the new record was like really cool because it was like well i'm like playing way above what i like the skill level that i had thought that i had which is always a really uh it's a cool thing you know when you're like when you're like oh my god i didn't you know you hear it back and you're like i fucking played that like that's me i play that <laughs> yeah i remember they did that split with burn it down like back in the 90s and um i knew the burn it down guys because we were on the same label as them you know an escape artist for a part of, well part of their thing was on escape artist and then uh i remember getting that split and i was like man that's a that's kind of a that's a strong uh, name, you know. What I mean? I was, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like Jesus, man. Like, but then I re- then they're like, oh no, 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 man. It's like, uh, you know, the guy's like, you know, super politically active, and you know, and he's like Middle Eastern or something like that. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and it, it is. I'm telling. Let me tell you, when you get into a an Uber with like all of your gear, and they're like, hi, you're in a band, and they're like, what's the name of your band? They're like, Ugh, race trader. <laughs> you like wait for the pause, and you're like. Actually, it's like, you know, reclaiming that, you know, like, yeah, I, I am. And like, I walk hand in hand with other races, you know, like, that's what people used to call people that were like involved in interracial relationships. You know what I mean? Like, or like, in, in any way, like business relationship or romantic relationship, it was like, you're a race trader if you're like, walking with a member of a different race, you know what I mean? So and we're kind of like, the idea is like, that's not a bad, like, I'm down with that. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys got your work cut out for you nowadays, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. And you know what? That's actually why they reformed when uh, the whole, you know, like the Trump era started to seep into uh, middle America. They were like, yo, we got to, we got to get the band back together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, very, very uh, problematic times these days. Yeah, it is. And you know what? Like within the scene, it's really interesting because instead of we played this as hardcore like three years ago i think um and i remember looking at the lineup and kind of being like how is this gonna go <laughs> you know what i mean like, like i don't 
think that anyone wants to listen to anything that any of us have to say, like, period. I just don't think that, that people are interested. Um, and it was really surprising when we were playing and, you know, like money was speaking and he knew who, you know, like the kind of people that were going to be there. So again, he kind of like tried to make it relatable what he was talking about. And I was like, okay, this is, and people were, weren't like, fuck you, shut up and play, you know, which is like what people said in the nineties. Um, right. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Let's talk more rock. You know, that was like a thing. Um, and people actually were like listening. I was like, damn, like we, we as like, a uh you know like hardcore community or whatever you want to call it um have kind of like shifted in in into a a social space that is like oh like we need we need to like come together and not be like oblivious and empathetic like the whole like empathy thing i feel like is is something of the past you know like the new empathy is like giving a shit (laughs) that's cool man i uh yeah, you know, I I'm not I've never even though I used to play like in the hardcore scene, I've never really been a big hardcore like fan necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I my band was involved in stuff like my old band from the '90s was like, you know, we moved in that circle a little bit, but it wasn't like I was always I really never listened to that kind of stuff. I listened to more, you know, out of the hardcore stuff I liked was like, you know, Dead Guy, Integrity, like Bloodlet, like that kind of right, stuff. Right, yeah. Bloodlet yeah. played that show, too. Yeah. That, that, no, that's, this is hardcore. I'm happy yeah. to see them back in action, too, you know. Yeah, and that dude still plays bass 100% of the set, which is great to see. That's <laughs> badass, man, yeah. I was like, if there's one thing I remembered from that band, because they were a Florida band, yep. I remember that dude just, like, playing bass 100% of the time. Like, he never stopped playing the bass. I was like, and then, he, then they played that, this is hardcore, and I was like, thank God, he's still just ripping on that bass 100 percent of the set <laughs> i should try to catch them man They're, i always really liked seeing them play definitely yeah they uh they still stand up i mean which is uh something to be said about a lot of those kind of mid late 90s bands um when you hear the recording you're like oh god this is like awful but then you see it live and you're like okay all right translates like i would love I would love to see Iceburn play again. That, I mean, like, they were like a, no one, not no one, but they were, they were such a weird band. Sure. That if they came around now, I feel like people are ready. You know, people are like ready for that. But when they were, the, the shows that they played were not similar styles in the least. So I feel like they got kind of like brushed under a rug. But man, I'd love to see them play again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know that guy has like another thing that he does at uh, Eagle Twin. Yeah, yeah, they toured. They toured with Sun. Um, like I, I used to. Well, I guess I still technically tour with Sun. The last time I toured, I toured with them. But um, uh, yeah, he the Eagle Twin thing is really, really, really cool. And I actually didn't realize that it was Gentry from Iceburn, and I, <laughs> I was like eating with him, and he said something about his old band, and he was like, oh, you're on Iceburn. And I was like, wait a minute, what? hang on, you're an Iceburn? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I love that band. He's like, cool. And he's so like uh, humble and kind of like bashful, you know? I was like, oh my God, you're you're like a musical genius. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah Iceburn and uh, like Engine Kid were like these very uh, sort of um, oddball bands to be on Revelation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny to, to you know, think back on what your musical tastes were at the time and then 
be like, what were the bands that I just like couldn't wrap my head around and then listen to them now? Like Cast Iron Hike is a perfect example of that for me. I remember someone gave me a mixtape with a Cast Iron Hike song on it. And I was like, oh, God, this guy's voice is like awful. You know, I was just like so not into it and then uh you know maybe like five or six years ago i'm like good friends with one of those guys now and uh and he said something about the cast iron hike days and i was like oh yeah you were in that band i hated that band and he was like oh thanks and i'm like no you know what i'm gonna give it another shot and i listened to it i was like it's like a rock band i was like what was what's <laughs> so good yeah i mean there was like some precedent set with uh only living witness too like they, they oh my kinda, god, yeah. like they, yeah. they, but they, they got. I mean, that band. I've seen them play several bunch of times back in the day. Always with like Sam Black Church or something like that. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I'm like, this motherfucker can sing, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. Why was I so like anti it? I have no. I was just like, I made up my mind, and that was it. You know, my like 17 year old mind. I was like, nope. Well, I, I got to be honest. Be aside. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I was at when I first saw those bands. Like, I was, like, more into, like, you know, like, death metal and, like, stuff that was on AMREP and, like, uh, Neurosis. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. exactly. I was like, this does not fit my vibe. Yeah, but I caught on, though. And, and um, you know, and Joan and I are you know, fairly good friends, man. And, like, uh, I got just nothing but respect for that dude as a singer. And, and looking back, I'm like... This band could have been like Soundgarden. You know what I mean? Dude, I I do know what you mean. Yeah. I feel the same way. I do know what you mean. I'm like, what were they doing? Wasting their time, you know, like twiddling their thumbs, playing with Sam Blackchurch. <laughs> Sam Blackchurch, though, were one of the best live bands in New England at the time, though. Honestly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not shitting on them. I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, like they just like stayed local. You know, I think they I don't even know if they maybe did like a couple of East coast tours or something like that. They didn't really, uh, didn't really span out. Wow. Sad story. I don't, and I don't know all the details and I'm not going to tell any, I'm just going to make uh there, there actually kind of is a story behind the scenes with them and, and their relationship with Tang and some other opportunities that weren't made available to them. So, Ooh. yeah. So that's wow. sad. Cause once again, I think that, uh, only Living Witness could have been Soundgarden and Sam Blackchurch could have been Pantera. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just from the intensity of their live show. Like, dude, if they ever, if say SBC, say they, they say they toured with Pantera, they right, would have been right, massive. Right. They would have been huge. Right, right. They get that whole fan base. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, they just never connected with Beyond. I mean, they were massive in New England and parts of the East Coast, but on a national level, internationally, I just think so many kids would have like dug that band. I, I agree. It's it's interesting to like think about bands like that and their and their stories because you know it is. It's all about um, the opportunity or the willingness to kind of like throw caution to the wind. And you know, if, like you got a couple guys in the band that are like, oh no, I got to keep this construction job. You know, like I got to do that. You know, it's like all these situational things that you don't really think about um, that were real. You know, like sure. these are like regular ass people, especially like in New England. That is. You know, um, like I was saying before, people stay within their region. You know, like you're brought up like that. Like you don't even cross town lines. It's like True. just kind of how your what your mentality is. So like the idea of going to Europe is like not even appealing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, for Witness, I know that was most of their touring was in Europe. I remember. Like I, I think I told the story to Jonah when like like I I interviewed him for the Gimme Radio podcast, and I was like. 
one day I was taking the uh, bus to work and I recognized him from being in Only Living Witness. And he was talking about just coming back from Europe after touring with the, with the uh, Cro-Mags over there. And I was like, man, that's fucking cool. And then he was like <laughs> telling me like, he's like, yeah, you know, mostly most of our touring was over there because Century Media was a, you know, a European label and right. they were connected with MAD booking and, you know, it was easier for them to operate over there. Yeah. That's so that's I mean, the time that I was in Storm of Light, we toured Europe more than we toured the U.S. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know why. Well, yeah, I don't know why we toured Europe like four times and the U.S. maybe like once and a half. (laughs) Yeah, Europe can be a slog, man. I mean, the U.S. can, too. But there's something like like once you get over like like maybe five or six weeks runs in europe that's like when things get real over there you know what i mean it's oh like, yeah yeah there's no comforts there's like very very little comforts if you go into the wrong time of year it is very easy to have a miserable time um you know like november december you're you know five weeks in december like no thanks yeah <laughs> and that's kind of like when when the tours happen because everyone wants to avoid the summer festival season you know right yeah 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 I've I, definitely done, I think Stormlight did a tour with Converge in, yeah, it was like we left the day after Thanksgiving and then flew back maybe like two days before Christmas or something like that. Like when the flights are the most expensive, like thanks, thanks yeah. Converge. Um, they love doing that. But, uh, but we, I just remember um, being, you know, we shared a bus. It was like, and then I think Touche Amore was on that tour. It was like a really interesting sort of bill. Um, but it is the coldest loading the trailer in Finland is 100% the coldest I have ever been ever. You know, I'm like, just stand out because I was the one that like packed the trailer. So people bringing stuff out and I'm packing the trailer and all of a sudden stuff stopped coming out. And I was like, why, where, where, what is happening? And then when, you know, Dominic comes out and he's like, everyone's in the fucking sauna. Everyone's in the sauna. And I was like, excuse me. I was like, there's a sauna in there. I was like, what's going on? Like, you gotta, someone's gotta tell me. I was so cold. And I just remember, like, you know, at that point, it was like a four-week point, so I was already, like, really uncomfortable. I just, I could have literally sat down and cried. I was, like, so defeated. And you know what? Europe's probably the only place that could do that to me. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's like, yeah, you just get to this point, and especially, like, in the winter like that, it's so dark and just bleak all the time and you feel really far away from everything, you know, and and you're in Eastern Europe or something and people don't hardly, hardly, most people do not speak English once you get to a certain point East, you know? Right. Right. And, and that's, you know, that, that's what you get for being an American, you know, cowboy, you know, John Wayne, you know, <laughs> over in Europe where you don't know how to speak anything but your native language. You know? I know. Gosh, it's just a reminder of like what a piece of crap you are. You're like, oh, my God, I should try harder. Yeah. Why am I not trying harder? <laughs> but yeah, so thanks for uh, for coming on the show, man. It's awesome talking to you. This and is my first podcast ever. So you're, you're a natural. You're a natural. Thanks. Yeah. Well, you know, you're my bud, so it just feels like yeah, having a conversation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, do me a favor and shoot that email out one more time in case, you know, okay. now that bands are starting to get active again, if anyone needs a driver, they know who to call. Yes. Hit me up. It is 
DreBlack6979 at gmail.com. Again, my birthday, not a sexual reference. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to send me a birthday greeting, please feel free. (laughs) Yeah, keep that in mind, too. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you next week. Take care. Yeah.